This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to my Wednesday, the spin-off show from the Wednesday Week podcast. Uh, my name is Stevie and on this week's show I am going to be talking to uh, an old mate of mine, uh, Andy Stevens. steve how are you doing mate? I'm good mate, how are you? Yeah, good thank you. Um, obviously we're going to spend half an hour or so sort of pulling apart um, the thing that is or our love for Sheffield Wednesday, what, why, why we've got into it and why we love it as much as we do and obviously we've just chatted off air about some of the things that um, we see when we go to games. So maybe pulling at a couple of threads there. But um, let's go right back uh, to the beginning. Um, start us off then. Um, why Sheffield Wednesday? It's, I've watched quite a few of these, Stephen. Everybody seems to have the same answer, but it's family. It's dad and granddad. And that's where my affinity started with the club. Um, I remember going sort of early on, sort of 84, 85-ish was when I really started, started to go to... It's funny, really, because... When I look back, it seems so strange. We used to go to midweek games, which as an eight-year-old, semi-old, how does that work? You know, you're going to get into bed at half past 11, but Dad used to take me to midweek games rather than Saturday games, which is, seems strange. But I think back then, Steve, the cup games were different as well, weren't they? They had a bit more of a bit more of an aura about them. The cups were important and we had some great cup runs and the cup nights at Hillsborough were always always brilliant. Being there under lights, I think it's, it's special anyway. And, it, and that's where my... Real first memories are. Um, I was at the Andy Blair three hat trick of penalties in the in the League Cup and, and and them games, and that's where my sort of affiliation and, and love for the club. You walk up them steps, you, you go through the gangway, the floodlights are on, and you see it, and you're just in awe of the place, aren't you? You just, I mean, every every kid at every stadium has that, but when it's your club, it's 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 magical, really. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're one of the first people that we've had on that pretty much predates my first game because I think I I went in '86. So um, I've got vivid memories and I've mentioned them before. 
and me getting in sort of Christmas time and watching a Liverpool game where we've lost late on. Can you remember the first game that sort of stuck in your head as as, as being that one? I, honestly, I think I have. It's vague, but the the we the one that we got promoted back to the first division when Mel scored the penalty. Um, I, I remember. Don't remember a lot of it, but I remember the cup. You know, you used to have the blue bars across and it had one yeah. thicker one down the middle. Well, I, you could sit on that. So I remember sort of being sat on that. And I remember Mel Scott. I obviously had no idea of the implications or what it meant, really, at that time. Just Dad saying, back it first, how oh, you got promoted by a lot. But sort of vaguely. But then after that, I sort of really re- remember games with Everton. I, I remember uh, the cup uh, saga, the cup. Well, about four games, wasn't it? I think we went through home and away, then yeah, away again, and then, yeah, and then, and then I think we got beat five nil at home in the, third, in the like the third replay or something. But it was just we played them so. But they, but I think people obviously of a certain generation, they were the best team in the country, and probably in Europe at that time. And obviously because of the the European band, they weren't in there, but they were such a such a good side then. And we we always used to run them close. Obviously the semi final at Villa Park as well. But Everton is my sort of my vivid memories. I remember us beating them one nil and Mark Proctor scoring a header at the back post. I think Weapons Lane, and if I remember rightly, and winning one nil and that being sort of massive, that a huge result. Um, so that Everton is my sort of my go-to yeah. as, a, as a young kid. You, you, you're mentioning players there like Mark Proctor. These every now and again, and Andy Blair you brought up already. That you know you've got players here that you think. Oh, bloody hell, I forgot they'd even played for a club yeah. and you, you forget yeah. that they, you know, certain people that will be listening to this will go, I've never even heard of Mark Proctor, yeah. I don't know who this guy is. Um, who were your favourite players um, in that sort of, those early days, the favourite players that you go and watch? Mel was my hero. Sterling was yeah. my hero. He, he, I think he lived the dream, Stevie, didn't he? He was, he was the local lad from Manitop. Um, lived and breathed Wednesday before he got to wear the blue shirt and and I think everybody just sort of he resonated with everybody didn't he everybody loved him when he running up yeah. and down that that right flank under them stands and chipped in with a lot of goals important goals penalty taker I remember being at the Chelsea yeah. four all game when he three and up at half time and Cannonville come on and he scores a penalty in the last I think last two minutes I think Mel's story of that is that Andy Blair was supposed to take that penalty but didn't fancy it as I'd give it me. I'm sort of man a lad, I'll get it, smashing it down the middle and off he runs. But yeah, Mel was definitely my first, definitely my first hero. Um, and after that, it went on. Brian Marwood and Chapman, and they were the ones that scored the goals. But yeah, definitely Mel. And then as we moved on, it was Ersty and probably everybody's favourite, Ersty, Wardle, Sheridan, that sort of, that trio that everybody loved watching. Yeah. So we obviously we're going from watching there the the earlier days going into you mentioned Hurst, Waddle, Sheridan that sort of take took us through that that sort of period of being quite good and getting into uh, back into the, the the first division or the top tier as it were winning a cup and then going into to running third or finishing third in the league and that sort of set us off in that early sort of Premier era, didn't it? Um, you got any memories of sort of following the club? In that sort of that sort of period of time, the players that stood out—you mentioned those players there, games, experiences of, of being a fan in the early days of, of the Premier League. Yeah, well, I think like you mentioned there, I think people forget in the eighties we were good. We were good. 
It weren't the out. It weren't the Alcyon days of of the nineties and the, that football. But under Wilkinson, we played a winning brand that got us fifth in the first division. Then, so as a yeah. as a Wednesday fan of a certain age or of a certain yeah a certain era, you, you remember us being quite good. Again, we dro- we dropped out under Ron, but then come back. And in that early Premier League year, we had, like we obviously signed Dan Petrescu and, and players like that uh, who were who had amazing World Cups. Like they did Sean for. For Romania, and you're like when you get him, and you only get him for a short period because he, he moves on. But such a good player, Mark De Greiser and, and players like that who were exceptional. Just to watch them day in day out, and as fortunate as I was, but such good players. And, and God rest his soul, we had Bart as well, in, in almost so good with the young lads, but such a good player. I think I think Bart would have been ideal in this generation the way he played. He maybe he was a holding midfield player and dictating play, and he, he was so good at for such a young age. Um, but there were so many. I mean, Brighty as well. Brighty was a twenty goal a season man. I mean, yeah. every year. I mean, if you put that nowadays, I mean, what's that worth nowadays? You're talking seventy, eighty million, aren't you? If you score twenty goals a season, and Brighty did it regularly. So, some really, some really good players. And you know what, with him, the thing that will always sort of stick in my mind is that you go back and you'll talk about Hurst, we'll talk about Waddle, we talk about Sheridan, we'll talk about signing players like uh, Di Canio. He almost gets forgot, doesn't he? Mark Bright was outstanding for us. And the number of goals that he scored, if you look at his goals and his appearances, um, he's right up there in terms of those top sort of standings. And people don't talk about him in 2023 like he were, he, he were, he were any sort of player. And I just think we, we're missing out on sort of remembering one of the best strikers we've ever had. He scored the winner at Wembley. He should be just, he should be mentioned in every other conversation. Yeah. He scored the winner against them at Wembley. I mean, does it get any better? You know, yeah. and like you said, I, I, I do feel he's forgotten by a lot of people. I had just chat with my yeah. old man at the weekend and he was like, it's strange. It's, how how do people view him? Because the my dad said, because the fact he scored that winner, he should be just celebrated as well one of the all time greats, really. But he does get forgotten. Do you think? And obviously, as we're we're chatting now, I think these questions that are coming up that are it's an interesting thread to pull at because I'm I don't want to go through the old trope of saying who were the best players because you're always going to get your waddles, you're always going to get your hearse. Um, I'd be interested to know, other than Bright, do you think there's anybody else that we had? that, you know, you look back on and you sort of reflect and we'll come on to how you might know a little bit more um, in a little while. But the players that we had at the club that are probably not as well remembered or that should be that, we you know, we had at that time. I think just just pre that, I think Paul Williams was a massive one for that. I think yeah. Paul Williams was such a good foil for Erste. Yeah. Unselfish running, chipped in with goals. I remember him scoring a couple against Middlesbrough at home game before we actually went to Rumble's Cup final. A tight game and he scored too late on and the atmosphere was amazing. But I always thought Williams was was massively underrated. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think as well, I, I, this might sound a little bit silly, but I think Carlton was massively underrated. Not by not by us. I think we all saw what he did and what he brought to the team and for Sheridan and what have you. But Nationally, you don't get that many England caps if if you can't play. And and what he added to that to that team was insane. The legs, the energy. He, he allowed Sheridan and Waddle and the others to do what they did best. And and I think massively uh, undervalued. As I said, maybe not 
Wednesday fans, but nationally massively sort of ridiculed a little bit, wasn't he, about how he looked and he's not that kind of player. And I don't think the Graham Taylor sort of documentary helped him, but it, it, was, a, it was immense for Wednesday. And I think everybody, clubs he played for, sort of league fans will, will probably feel the same about it. Well, we've had him on. Obviously, we had him on a couple of weeks ago. We had, um, as we're recording this, um, early August, uh, we had Gordon Watson on as well, and he told us stories. And it was always, it's always interesting to listen to the ex-pros because uh, every now and again, you'll get somebody who'll bring um, a little bit of an anecdote or a different story in to, to things that we haven't heard in the past. And he would talk a lot about the fact that people expected it to just be Carlton with the legs, moving people about and giving Sheridan the ball. But in actual fact, they'd find that when we matched them up against other players, it were actually Sheridan that did a lot of the running. And I think that gets ignored a lot, is that, you know, we, we expected uh, Palmer to just be some sort of workhorse. But he had a lot more to his game than, than that, didn't he? And I, I totally agree with you. I think, I think the, the, the the Graham Taylor documentary in 93-ish, weren't it? it that, that sort of 94 um, World Cup campaign that, that, that didn't end well, I don't think that helped him. And I think the fact that he was quite outspoken um, even on even in that, and you know, in and around um, the, the the place at the time, um, I'm not sure he'd get away with saying what he'd said, or would he would get away with saying nowadays what he'd say in the past. And I think that that might have hampered him a, a, a little bit. But I totally agree with you. Um, he's very very underrated. His Carlton, you know, growing up as a kid, he was a, a little bit of a role model for me because I was sort of what 13, 14 year old, um, watching a lad, uh, a guy running uh, around the pitch at Hillsborough in the way that he did. He was sort of awestruck a little bit. So yeah, mm. I, I think he was one. Um, okay, so we've we've alluded to little bits here and there, and um, want to just sort of move on to you and you playing football a little bit because you actually made it into the academy system at Sheffield Wednesday, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Do you want to tell us how that came about? What what sort of the steps that, that you were in involved in before that and, and how, how it came to pass? Yeah, well, I played grassroots football as I mean, I think again, people from my era, our era would still say that was the best time to play football, the, the sort of Redgate Sunday League. It was it was competitive, it was I wouldn't say it was win at all costs, but it it, it, it great grounding for, for your footballing and, and moving you forward and Played for Middlewood, a really, really successful Middlewood side. Um, I think we did the double every year, bar one. We, we we beat various sort of academies, West Ham's, Glasgow Rangers, Norwich. We, we, we I think 15 of the 16 of us signed academy forms or uh, apprenticeship forms, as it were, then YTS forms. Um, I sort of sneak, sneak, snuck in a little bit at Wednesday. I was at, I was at Rotherham for a, for a long while, and then I was at... Um, I was down the road at, um, at our neighbours uh, for quite a while and, and in fairness really enjoyed it there. The coaches there were fantastic. John Dunworth, John Greaves, I loved my time there. We used to go in at holiday times uh, from school uh, but there was never sort of never sort of any offer coming along and, and then sort of Clive Baker, sort of, I think he, he got wind that nothing had happened and not, nothing had been signed and he pulled my dad just want to come down and you don't need asking twice, do you? You, you blew them white through and through. As much as you enjoyed your time at Sheffield United, straight down, I think you had to do sort of a four or five week trial or whatever it was down in the gym. You remember the gym next to the sports yeah, yeah. hall, which is now the shop, I think. Um, yeah. And then and then went from there and I signed schoolboy forms 
about I think I was under 16s when I signed them forms. Um, again, we had, there were offers, there were, there were chances to go other places, but as soon as that offer's there, you, you, you're not going to. Heart rules your head anyway, and you're in, and, and you're all fully invested. But again, the coaches, uh, Clive was above us, but uh, Kevin Fogg was the main coach we had at under 15, under 16s, and Kevin was amazing. Um, such a good coach, such a understood you as a, as a young man, and, and everything, the, the intensity that you worked at, but how he worked with you was all positive and. Yeah, such a good coach to work for and work with, and that and that sort of took us up as, up to our uh, YTS forms. When you, you get that um, that letter comes through the door again, old school Stephen Royal Mail was still in full force, and um, the, the the letter you come home from school and the letters there, your dad like, there's a Wednesday letter, there's a Wednesday letter, and you open it and it's the news you've been you've been dying to hear, and and it's you sort of two year apprenticeship and and. Well, you, I was like a kid in a sweet shop, Stevie, the, the, the first day I've walked in there. Um, I, so, what, we, what was on the letter? so you, you're saying we're offering you two years. What, what was the next step? What did, what did they say to you then? So please, to, please to um, invite you to come and be part of the academy for two years. What's the next step? Yeah, so it was sort of your contract starts on, I think it was 31st of July, or might be 31st of June, actually. Report to pre-season training. 6th or 7th of July used to be about the, the, the date we went back in and he just said to report to, to Hillsborough for, for 8.30 um, for a 9 o'clock start and we got in and then the second years look after you, well, look after you as such, but so they take you um, ruthless back then. I, I was say about Carlton wouldn't be able to do some of the things. I mean, some of them stories are, are not airable, but um, so you go and get your tracksuit and your training kit and your trainers and your boots and it's mind blowing, really. They just give you all that stuff to, for that first day. You take it all home, and and it's then you're preparing for the lads coming in, and the first sort of the first day, the first team come back. And as I said, kid in the sweet shop, I'm looking at all these these players, all the, the heroes. You've seen Sheridan scoring a cup final. The Hursties we've been in Europe, and I, I'm looking at them thinking, no, shouting like Steve, I'll go and get me my boots, and Steve, I need me tracks up top, and you're like. Oh. No problem, and you're off, and you, you just, you just, they're just like normal human beings. As strange as that seems, then you've got them up there on that pedal stool, but they're just down to earth human beings. And there were some great blokes in that changing room. Were you ever in in that era? You were you part of the old boot boy crew? Did you were you a boot boy for anyone? I was, yes. As a second year, I did uh, I did Prezi's boots and uh, Reggie's Reggie Blinkers. Reggie was great. Right. He looked after me, big style. Reggie, we couple of pairs of Air Max trainers and and Andy Sinton. Um, you always, so as a first year, you sort of I was a kit. I looked after the kit in the away team dressing room and the away team dressing room, sort of for the reserves. And then as a second year, you don't do as many jobs. The first years take that mantle on, and you just try and pick somebody who's got a similar size to you, hoping. That you're going to get some hand-me-downs or some freebies, and yeah, and it's Sinners was the same size as me, so he, he looked after me as well with some Nike tempos, and um, they size were a good size. size, four. size four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're the perks of being a second year. You know, you get that get that job with somebody who's going to look after you. So um, yeah, it, but again, so the kit, looking after the kit, it's. It, it's funny to think that you, you just take the kit off, they throw it on the floor, you pick it up, and but you, you, 
it, it seems crazy, Steve. Somebody going to tell you you're going to pick somebody's slip and socks and shorts up, but you 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 just over moon to do it. You you live in you live in the dream. You live in what what you've dreamt of. You where you've wanted to be since as long as you can remember. So you just take it all in. You got any memories of sort of first game for Sheffield Wednesday? You playing yourself? My first game. My yeah. first game was Lincoln, Lincoln away. Um, the pitch used to be next to Sinsel Bank. It was an absolute mud bath. Um, you remember the Ronnie Radford goal in the FA Cup when he runs off it? A bit like yeah. that. Um, absolute mud bath. Um, but again, I said absolute. Just but we played in the yellow and um, the yellow with the light blue shorts. Yeah, that away kit we played in that, which was probably would probably be a favourite away kit. That. And so we got to play in that, and I'm pulling that on. I'm just thinking this is. It's a little bit surreal. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I've always wanted to do. And then next game was Grimsby at home, um, and the back pass rule had just come in, and uh, we managed to score because the kids, the back pass keepers picked it up, and I'm charging forward, probably out of position as a fullback. I was always bombing on, and um, Richie's took the ball, Richie Humphries took the ball off the keeper, and just passed it to me, and I've rolled it into an empty net. And the ref's like, "Yeah, that's fine." There. Going bent like what's, what's happened, uh, so that was my first two games and my first goal. Um, again, in that yellow kit, it was, it was amazing, amazing feeling to represent them. So, you, you lined up, you've just mentioned Richie Humphries. Was there any other sort of players that went on to, to forge any sort of careers? Or, yeah, well, Simon Weaver was part of us, who's the Harrogate manager now. So, Simon had a decent yeah. career, uh, in regards to uh, played a more, bit more non league, but. But long leagues, and then obviously he's had a really successful career as a as a as a manager. But that's it, really. We've had a, quite a few that's done the rounds non-league, but that's the only, which is the only real one who's gone on to build and forge a, a successful mm. career. And the only one who really broke into the first team. Right. Um, and you've talked about the being in and around the pros, certainly as a, a sort of pre-season getting in and being involved and what have you. Um, you say that players looked after you. When when you say that they looked after you, what were they like with the younger players in in and around the club? Any any sort of standouts? Any stories? Or yeah, a lot of them were really good. Uh, you know, when you look back, I mean, I, I messaged uh, Brighty not long after the last dance uh, Chicago Bulls uh, documentary was out, and it was big on sort of Jordan had pushed players and and sort of tried to get them to his level, and I want to and driving them. Uh, and I remember sort of being, I look back now and sort of regret, but Bright, I was 18 and Bright was like, at me, at me, at me. And I remember putting a cross in and him not being on the end of it. And, and, and But after I watched that and being at this age now, I sort of under, maybe understood it a little bit more. And I, I messaged Bright via Facebook and just said, look, you probably won't remember me, but looking back in hindsight, what you were doing was probably what, Jordan's just been down that what I've watched and, and he and he replied and he reached out and, and, and he sort of said, I remember and look, we were all you were younger, this, that, and other, but all I ever tried to do was try to inspire people to get to where I was because his work rate was was phenomenal, Steve. He he would stay out with a bag of balls, each just we'd just feed him just volley, side foot volleys from six yards, just hit the net, hit the net, hit the net, hit the net, and just constantly. And then it's no surprise come Saturday when one breaks to him and he side puts it into that empty net but everybody thinks it's an easy job he's worked all weekend all week at that sorry um, but Bart as well I, I think I mentioned to you the other night Bart, Bart was great um, a lot of times when we weren't involved when we play on a Saturday morning and we train if Bart was 
was coming back from injury. And the best piece of advice he ever gave me, I still use now, is play the first pass you see. Because nine times out of ten, it's the right one. Get it back, the pictures change. And I still, still use that to this day. And again, at 18, you never, I didn't think like that. You'd look for a, a better ball or a killer ball or whatever. And, and Bart was like, no, just keep it and keep it. And, you know, you look back at, at just little snippets of silly stuff, really, but makes so much sense now as you get older and you watch the game. And they were all they were all pretty good. So they, they you've got Hurst and Woods and Sheridan. And I was fortunate enough when I become a first year pro, we, we moved up to the um, to the training ground, which you'll know yourself used to have sort of smaller, thin changing rooms. Yeah. Um. I, 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 historically, it had been reserved, get changed in reserve team dressing room first teaming. Well, Pleat had brought in that it was, um, he just put the names on the door. So when you got in there that morning, you just looked for your name and that's where you were. So you walk up, go first. And, mate, my name with Erstey, Sheridan, Woods, I think Peter Rath and Michael William. And I'm like, what a change, what a change room this is. Like, how have I got in here? You know, so you, you just sit down there and you just listen. And I think it was at the time that Chez was still in the Republic of Ireland squads, but he weren't even playing. He was playing reserve team football. He was playing with us at, at, at Wendy. He was massively out of favour. But just to listen to them stories and listen to the things that they talk about. And I remember him going on international duty. He took his, um, he took his bin liner with his boots in full... And he come back, and the boots had not been out of the bin liner. He got like more or less full beard, and he just stank like he'd been on a stag do. And I remember him sitting down, and Ersty just saying to him, "You smell well. You've had a good time." And he was like, "We've not done anything." There was him, McGrath, and Jack Charlton. They'd just been like boozing the whole like four week, four or five days that they'd been on camp. But it was like I'm sat there as a young kid thinking. You want to be an international footballer? He said it's like going on a four-week, four-day event in Dublin. It's just it's, it's how the game changed, if you like. But just to have that insight and hear that is it's, it's incredible. Yeah, um, never got that Sheridan falling out of favour with Pleat. What what were it? Did you ever? Did you ever have much to do with David Pleat? <laughs> the strangest, strangest man I've ever come across. He was. He was. He'd get names wrong. Like I remember one massive. Like he called. He called um, uh, Reggie Blinker, Wayne Collins, or the other way around. I was like, the lads on the chin. Like we what? Like Reggie's got shoulder length dreads, and and Wayne's got like bus cut. And it's like, honestly, mate, we, it, it was really strange. He asked the lads if they used to read. One one of the lads, younger lads than us, do you read a lot? And he was like, didn't say, didn't know what to say. He said yeah, and he pleat brought him a bag full of books in. Like novels and things, but and it was, it was just like a, looking back, I feel for him a little bit because I think he, he he was brought in with a remit to try and maybe break that squad up a little bit, um, maybe move a few of them characters on. But I think he did it too quickly. He did it, he, he did it in one fell swoop. He sort of he alienated and isolated the main characters. And we went on a Christmas uh, Christmas drink again. How it changed. We were around. Up at Broom Hall and, and around there, Broom Hill, sorry. And Bright has come out in a jumper, taking the jumper off, and he's got all pleat sayings written in marker on his jumper. Isolate Bright, Hurston Woods, and uh, no, and because he used to say, oh no, Bright, and things like that. Bright has got them all written all over his jumper. So, but he did it, he saw Hursty quickly, he moved Wood, Woodsy was probably coming to the end anyway, but he moved Woodsy on, and he, and he just, 
the changing room went from being a, a sort of really solid changing room and to fractured a little bit quickly, which which didn't help anybody really, and and hence we had quite a decline from finish seventh in the Premier League to to falling down the Premier League quite quickly, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I think did we have two years of thirteenth or thirteenth and seventeenth yeah. or something like that before we before we fell. Um, the players that he brought in. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We all know away days are mint, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now with the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. For more information, see mcdonalds.com. See you later. Didn't quite mix, did they, with the, the, the players that had been moved on. So it must have been a bit of a culture culture change, a shift in the mentality at the club. Yeah, well, people think I'm I'm crazy when I tell this story, but I, I'm convinced at this now. Um, can you remember the two uh, Yugoslavian lads we brought in, or Serbian, Darko and Dejan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we brought them in from from Red Star, I think. So obviously got good pedigrees and 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 played at a good level. Uh, Dej, I think Darko scored four in six or four in eight, so he'd set off quite well. Uh, and after training, I always used to try and do a little bit and. Bear in mind, mate, you finished at half past 12. You go home, you, all your mates are in normal jobs. You, you might as well try and work at your trade a little bit or just get a bit of practicing. So I got a bag of balls and I was just doing crossing, just crossing it into an area, fetching back, crossing in. And he's come down dark on, he's just stood there. And so, so I've crossed him in and he started finishing them. And the finishing's is your target. And then more of the first team lads have come down and then Prezi's gone in goal. And honestly, mate, he's firing these finishes. Volleys, sliding volleys, headers. Like, Prezi's not getting near, near any of them. And the lads are like, you could see that the lads at the side are like, wow, you know, this, this kid's got a bit. And then, like, a couple of weeks later, he sold him on. And, and the reason being, I'm sure this is right, and it's not my mind playing tricks on me. He said he'd got too many left-sided players or he'd got enough cover on the left side. Like, well, Dejan's the left back and Darko's the centre forward. And it's Darko that's moved on. And I'm like, I think he's got this wrong. I'm convinced now that he he's, he thinks he's sold Dejan and he's sold Darko. I'm just like, I'm, I'm, people think I'm stupid, but I'm convinced that that was the line. There's cover down the left side. He got Pembridge. No, and, and I'm, I'm like, I'm sure he's, he's got rid of the wrong one. Because Darko looked like he had a bit, to be fair. Yeah. But he moved. He's gone for some big fees, anti to some some big clubs. I'm pretty sure he played Champions League football for, for quite yeah, a while. Yeah, he went to Sociedad, I think, from us for the same money. I saw maybe two and a half million. But then I think he went the season after to Juve for like fifteen million, and that's when fifteen million weren't just for buying a, a reserve goalkeeper from Man City. That was like fifty <laughs> million. We're like, whoa, fifty. Yeah, we got none of that. No sell on clothes, nothing. Wendy, innit? <laughs> the Wendy way, mate. That's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was, was Pleat manager when you got let go? 
Yeah. Again, sort of a strange one. Um, I'm not for one minute saying I was good enough to make it all, but there was no... I was stood. Um, but I think there was a youth... Maybe a youth team game I was stood. What he said, he said, are you waiting for me? And I was like, no, no, not at all. I'll speak to you tomorrow. And then um, you've got this ability, you've got that ability. You need to play open age football and, and I'm gonna, we're going to be releasing you. And it was sort of as brutal as that. And I was like, open age football? That's, but there's like... 10 non-league clubs in this area just get us out there to go and play non-league go and play men's open age football I uh, said we want to pay you off and move and get you off the wage bill if you like not that we were earning that much money and then I went back in day after and he was like uh, no I, I don't want to pay you I want you to stay till end of the season and I'm like you're confusing the hell out of me here um, I, I don't know what you want I went to see Martin Hodge who'd been doing a lot of work with us in the reserve team uh reserve team coach and stuff like that and Albert Phelan and I went to see them and said look you obviously know why I'm coming to see you um, have you got any contacts get me any trials or anything like that and they were like what do you need contacts and trials for and I'm like he's released me yesterday and they're like what and so he's, they've looked after me all year and there doesn't seem to have been any sort of discussion on who we're keeping who we're, which, which I found strange and then to be fair one of the funniest ones just after that we played um we played the first team down at Hillsborough as as Bradford. Remember, we played Bradford in the FA Cup and Wads had just gone to Bradford. Yeah. So as we set up as Bradford, I played on the right-hand side just simply because I'm left-footed. Um, we've got a corner. I've gone to Techie and I said, I've been in changing rooms with Erste and that. And Erste says to me, boot it in Leppin's lane. Boot it in Leppin's lane. I said, I can't, I can't do that. Like, I'm not. He said, do it. If he says anything, I'll... I'll I'll have a pop because Hurstie was sorted out of favour as well at that time. So Hurstie's come short. I've given it him back, given it, he's given it back, and I've just booted it sort of behind him to left his lane. And Pleat's gone to shout and says, like, have a pop at me. And Hurstie's just like jumped to my defence. You leave him alone. You released, like, you released him yesterday. <laughs> so, like, I, didn't, I, I don't know. I didn't even know where to look. And I was like, this is this is surreal. But Hurstie's like, how he did it to you, he didn't treat him. And, and, fully supported me, do you know what I mean? So I was like, cheers, Ernst, like. And I say that's when the lads were good with you. They were good with you like that. They, they tried to look after you and, and you see them now and they still remember you and they'll have a drink with you and they'll have a chat and, it, and, it, and it's nice. It's it's good memories, probably, they, they, that can't yeah. be taken away. And I was very fortunate. I'm not even sure if you're aware of this. We used to play the um, Steel City Cup at the beginning of the season. Um, and... It was the year we topped the. We were top of the prem after four games. Richie was on fire, and we'd won all four. Well, yeah. that uh, the Steel City Cup that year was at Bramall Lane. They'd only got three sides. The John Street was down, and um, I was in the squad for that, and got the last twenty minutes. I think we lost three one, but just I just remember running out to warm up. Um, and to be fair, the, the, the lads had said we'll fill top and bottom. The Wednesday fans will come out with top at. Prem, they'll, they'll, they'll show out tonight. So just make sure you thank them and you have a look across. I've run out to warm up, looked up at the away and first first person I see is my dad, which is like a goosebumps moment now, but he was just leaning along along on one of the gangways. It's like, this is surreal. I remember getting the shout 20 minutes to go and Wednesday fans are singing, we are top the league. And I'm like warming up, listening to, <laughs> listening to fans thinking I'd love to be on there. Like, and they're shouting me to get up, come on, you're going on, Mike. And I'm like, in order to look at the way and looking at the Wednesday fans singing, <laughs> trying to pick faces out and look for my pals and what have you. 
but go on for Erste as well, which is another sort of sliding doors moment for you, if you like. If you, but so I've gone on there and got twenty minutes, and again, unbelievable. Just a, a memory that it didn't work out, and 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 it is what it is. But an unbelievable memory that can't be taken away. Yeah, absolutely. You, some great stories there, by the way. Um, did you stay in, involved with the club afterwards? I did. I must have done. Some, yeah, I must have done something right because they. they Oh, I must have been liked by somebody. They kept me on in the um, the football community, which we we crossed paths quite a lot on on, on that, didn't we? After with with Ado, yeah, God bless yeah. So um, Ado gave me a job um, again, mate. Some stories from that place working with Ado again. Some of them are not are not repeatable, but some <laughs> some, <laughs> some are. Yeah, like we'd been there about eighteen months, and he comes back from a comes back from a. a coaching conference and he said uh, we're going to have Cyprus in October I'm like what do you mean so we're going coaching we've got a week's coaching in Cyprus on RAF base like, how, how on earth have you managed to well somebody didn't want me so we've took it so for the next three Octobers we go out when it's freezing cold in England we're out sunning it in Cyprus coaching so uh, only in the morning like I think we do half past eight well half past ten half past ten well half past twelve Rest of your day to yourself, and there's only Ado could could sort of blag that sort of stuff. And then on the back of that, we go to Germany, same in officers met, and 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 then we go to Holland. And it's like I don't know how we managed it, but again, I did seven years there and unbelievable times there. And um, I, I did the coaching in and around the schools, and then worked with obviously with Steph with the with the ladies. I did my way for B as part of the uh, working with the ladies at the ladies team, which were a good a good side again at that time. So I, the club, I mean, the club, despite being released, and people obviously think, oh, you must have sour grapes as what towards them. The club's always really looked after me, to be honest. And I've got pals there now who still can pull tickets now and again and things like that. So. The massive part of my life over 10 years working there and um, it, it makes you a man definitely going into that changing room at 16 but you went from a man to a boy in, in that changing room and then sorry a boy to a man then and then you've uh, worked in life till mid-20s there yeah yeah no it's great and it's you know it's it's experiences that not many people will be able to call on and you know to to, to be able to hear them and, and share them has, has been a really good sort of insight into what it's like coming coming through, coming up, um, not necessarily as it is nowadays, but, you know, there'll be a lot of people listening to this that will sort of, some of that stuff will resonate with and some of that, it's going to be insight that people have never heard before. So it's it's really good to be able to hear you talk about it. Um, match days nowadays, what are they like? Yeah, a little bit different. I mean, I remember when I first come out and go to the away games and you go with your mates and have a drink, but now, obviously, I have Atty and Joe, like you have, well, and we, we, we tend to get in the fan zone early and have a drink and, and take it all in. She loves being around it all, the music and um, in there. So it's a little bit different, get there as early as we can. Uh, she takes it all in and it, it's nice. It, she she has a real interest in it at the minute as well. And and so it is a little bit different. I, I do want to take her to an away game for, to, to I, I, so I experience that. Um, but she got to experience... Hillsborough, like I've never known it. Even I said from the, the glory days, the playoff night was was will live long in the memory. And I think, well, 
I saw you outside last year, didn't I? Can we? Can we? The first person and the first thing that happened is I'll tell this story really quickly. We've parked up and obviously I went on the Friday to, to Peterborough and I went with my mate and his dad and kids and at 3-0, they've upped and out. They've gone. Dave's, Dave's disappeared sort of thing. And I've said, no, we travel down separately because we, we can't go in one car because there's so many of us. So I've parked up. I've said, whatever happens, we're staying. And the reason that I wanted to stay was because I wanted to see the reaction at 4-0. I wanted to see what happened at full time. Um, our fans to the players, how the players responded to the fans. Um, and that's why we stayed. We, we saw some crap and it's been talked about afterwards, you know, when people fighting, people swearing, uh, racial abuse, all that. We, we weren't through that in the last 10, 15 minutes. But I kind of came away from it and Molly didn't get it. Molly cried her eyes out, uh, you know, the, the 3-4-0. And then um, it's got to, to the weekend and I thought, you're hearing people saying, well, I'm, I'm not going Thursday. Uh, it's pointless. They're not having my money. Waste of time. I've done it for similar reasons to you. I don't know. Well, I'm assuming the similar reasons. I loved taking my daughter to match days. I knew that this was probably going to be the last game before next season. So one more time, let's go, Mo, and let's see what happens. I never really had any sort of hope or expectation. But we did. My sister came on uh, a few weeks ago and talked about the fact that she felt it as we were walking down Erie's Road towards Penniston. So we've gone under the arches and she just suddenly went, wouldn't it be good if we did it? And Molly were asking questions and we've gone into the fan zone. It was dead quiet. And the first person that came up to me were you and you just looked at me and you just went, can we? <laughs> and I'll never forget that. You just went, can we though? <laughs> and inside me, I'm thinking, no. <laughs> How many drinks have we had? Yeah. <laughs> it generated about 30 seconds of a chat where I'm thinking, I'm just going to have to appease Steve over here and say, yeah, we might have a chance. But then we've gone in and obviously we've gone two, two and a pretty much two and a hour. I, I, I would totally calm. First goal, penalty done. Second goal. As soon as that second goal went in, I was absolutely convinced that we were going to turn it round. And I, w I weren't panicking at 3-0. I weren't panicking in 96, 97th minute because I just knew there'd be one more chance. It was just written, weren't it? Yeah. I mean, my, my missus is one of them. She didn't go. She stayed at home with, with Quinn and said, I'm not going. So I ended up taking my dad, which she actually said, it's, it's worked out better and share that moment sort of with my dad and, and Hattie. But I, I sort of get what Steph's saying. As I walked around the ground, they just seemed a buzz. It just seemed... It's, I think Guardiola's even mentioned it, hasn't he? But yeah. that many people to turn out at 4-0, it, it, it just seemed that there was a little bit of belief. I'd said to Hattie for like the three or four days, if we can get in at 2-0, we have a chance. It, 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 there's something on the game at 2-0, there's a chance. There's a chance. So, so as soon as we scored, the, I didn't watch the penalty. I didn't watch Smith's penalty. I turned away because I, for me, that was the most important one to score that early and get on the ball. So I turned away and she, she told me, obviously, looking at her, obviously, in the row. And then two, I just, similar to yourself, there just seemed an inevitability about it. Um, she was crying, we saw her 10 minutes to go. And I said to her, look, there'll be another chance. We've created that many, there will be one more. And yeah. the, noise, the noise from Palmer's goal, so I've never heard the place like that. It was absolutely rocking. It was unbelievable. The noise, and and but again, I think this gets overlooked. To come back again, not just the four 0 It's to take the 
the devastation of going behind again and then to go again. Um, it was an unbelievable moment. And I know I remember people saying it's all in vain if we don't win the final, but I, I didn't see it like that. It was a, it was a game for the generations where me and you was as grandparents and that we'll have that we will have that conversation forever you remember when that happened whether you win the final or not and then well as you know I was away for the final we booked a, a break it up in Filey so we couldn't get to the final so Hattie was gutted I was gutted but I found a pub I booked a seat I'm banging in front of this television a couple of Barnsley fans sat behind me um, so obviously I've got a bit of grief after the, the disallowed goal because obviously I'm up and then it's off and um, like, we just I think it's as Dawson's got the ball to take the goal kick at he's like I'm dying for the toilet I need a wee so like you, you're going on your own and like and she said watch they'll score now and she'd gone to walk out and the, the, there was a Wednesday fan in there a woman and she said I'll give you a fiver if they do so obviously they have done I'm going bonkers Atty walked straight back in the woman's got that the best fiver <laughs> I have ever spent in my life and Atty's like bouncing about but just it, I think again it seems it, it was written I think it was it was it was sort of destiny after after winning the the playoffs as they did I think it was destiny that they went up and so, so much envy of everybody when when it goes in and it, you can see it going off but it is what it is and you I've got to spend it with Hattie and that little story is a, a, a sort of a good anecdote to, to that day mate um I can't think of a better way to finish the pod, to be honest, and, and leave it on a positive. I'm not going to pull out any sort of Chisco stuff because um, I feel like it might put us on a bit of a downer, to be honest. <laughs> There'll be time for that in the future, I think, no doubt. And we'll probably share a couple of stories and uh, have a chat about that in person over a beer or two. But um, Andy, yeah. 42 minutes of your time. Some great insights, some great stories. Really appreciate that. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube, please remember to smash <laughs> the like and subscribe buttons uh, you can find our pods you've got all our socials on screen at the minute uh, follow the wednesday week and as we said if you if you like what we're doing and you like the content that we're putting out please follow us support us in any way that you can um thank you very much for your time and um we'll see you soon Talk man, Stevie. this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing, ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points, back of the net. Lubosh. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.